This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Keep them coming. Ty D. Butler is the Twitter and the Instagram. Brooklyn up by 11 on the Clippers. 341 left in the game. Uh, about to improve to 4-1 and one without Kyrie Irving, with the one loss being by two to Lucas Mavs in Dallas, a game that they actually could have sent to overtime with a chance to win. But Kevin Durant, after making the first of three free throws, missed the second, missed the third on purpose. Uh, Nets got the rebound, but unfortunately, Royce O'Neal throws the ball away. So the Nets, uh, despite that loss, though, continue to play well without Kyrie Irving. And it's going to create an interesting conversation if, like, all of a sudden the dynamic, the vibe changes once he comes back. But right now we're talking Knicks uh, about Donovan Mitchell. Is there a little regret not trading for him? Donovan Mitchell right now, in the midst of the best season of his career, he's the best player on a Cavs team that's two games back of the number one seed. He's clearly thrust himself early into the MVP conversation and look, Cleveland's got better pieces around him with Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, uh, Kevin Love off the bench, Jetty Osmond. Like that, that that is a a really good team, really good defensive pieces. And, and Donovan Mitchell, even on that end, has, has stepped up his game because I know the, you know, when we talked about him potentially coming to the Knicks, a lot of the naysayers were, you know, low percentage shooter, doesn't play any defense. Well. He's putting up career numbers this year with, with the Cavs, and they look pretty good. So I wonder if there's a little bit of regret uh, as far as not trading for him. 800-919-3776 leading off for us this evening is George and Elizabeth. What's up, George? Oh, Tom. Yo, um, what I, up? Look, man, you know, I've been a Knicks fan since 1984. I went through the Patrick era. I went through the Allen Houston, Sprewell era. And, and you know, it's Bottom line is, man, without a number one guy in the NBA, you, you can't do nothing. You, it's just nothing that could be done. You could, you could, you could put up a little fight if nobody sees you coming, and make a little bit of noise. You know, for all the reasons you mentioned before, that was the reason we was a four seed. Nobody saw us coming. COVID, all of those reasons were the reasons. But without a not without a guy, you could say, listen, man, we are gonna need thirty five from you tonight. We are gonna need thirty from you tonight. You know, on a regular basis, we can't get that. This, there's no winning for the Knicks, man. So a playing spot is a very generous position for us, if you ask me. Yeah, it is. It's a very generous position. It is, and I appreciate the call, George. It's a, it's the point that I made last week when I was on the air. Like the problem for the Knicks simply is, in a in a conference that is littered with stars, they don't seem to have any of them. Like, the Bucks roll out Giannis, who might be the best player in basketball, and I say might be just because there might be some folks who want to argue. Giannis is the best player in the NBA. The Celtics counter with Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, who ever since they linked up with Ime Udoka, all of a sudden look at look like one of the best duos in basketball. Remember last year there were conversations about breaking them up, and they've turned it around, got to the finals, got with to within two wins of winning the whole thing. The, the, the Hawks, we saw on full display the star power they have with Trey Young, DeJounte Murray. I talked about Mitchell just now, and it's just a conference that it's star after star after star. If the Nets get their act together, it's Durant and maybe Irving. Uh, as Royce O'Neal looks like he hits the dagger, so the Nets are going to win this game against the Clippers and improve to 4-1 and one without Kyrie Irving. The, the Heat with Jimmy Butler, and, and then once... Harden returns to, to Philly from injury, 
you got two stars there. And the Knicks are throwing out there Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and R.J. Barron. It's no disrespect to those guys. They're just not on the level of the stars that I just mentioned. And when you have a star deficit, it's hard to overcome that in this sport. You win with stars. The role players are fun, and it's going to help you win games in the regular season. You're going to need those key contributors in the playoffs. And obviously coaching is you know, at, the, at, at number one on uh, what's important. But when it comes to actually going out there and competing and winning games on a night-in-and-night-out basis, you need your stars. And the Knicks have a uh, deficiency when it comes to that when measured against the other teams. Brian in Westchester wants to chop it up. What's up, Brian? How you doing, Brian? I was a season ticket holder for 24 years. I gave up my seats finally. You know, I just think I think the Knicks have problems on so many different levels. First of all, we don't have a pure, you know, 40% plus three-point shooter. Um, we don't have good chemistry, I don't believe. And I don't think we have an identity. And interestingly, you know, you mentioned all these other teams. Well, I... Last I checked, the Celtics drafted Tatum, the Hawks drafted Trey Young, um, you know, and, all, and, and, and the Sixers drafted Joel Embiid. And, you know, look, look what we have. And so I don't think any of the stars want to come here. And so if we're going to start building, first of all, we have to figure out who we are. That's number one. Number two, we have to be in line with what today's NBA is, which is you've got to have outside shooting. Yep. And number three, we have to improve our draft our drafting and our, our nurturing of players and, and stop taking gambling on all these foreign guys like Frank Nikita and all these other people that don't pan out to anything. And it's just, it's such a boring brand of basketball now. If I asked you and said, hey, can you tell me who the Knicks are? There's no answer. They are, they're nothing but a hodgepodge of guys together who once in a while have a good, a good game. They're going to wind up with 38 wins. And I'm a diehard Knicks fan. No one's a bigger Knicks fan than me. But it's just they're boring to watch. And, 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 you know, on any given night they can get blown out and they always find a way to, all, to lose or almost lose. So, you know, I think, I, think it's, I, think it's, I think it's really a disaster, quite frankly. Well, I appreciate the call, Brian. I, you made some, some salient points there. You go back just two years ago and the identity was – Defense, right? We're living and dying by the unit coached by Tom Thibodeau, where he's an expert, in, and that's defense. The, the Knicks defensively were stout that season, and then Randall had a career year, and then you were able to get clutch play from you know Derek Rose and Alec Burks, and all the pieces around you seemed to fit because it was predicated on you being an excellent defensive team, coming down and hitting timely shots, and we knew late in games the Knicks could do that. They could execute that. And this year, to your point, what's what's the identity? Now, again, like I don't mean to sound all doom and gloom because they're 6-6. Six and six. We played 12 games, so no reason to panic. I'm just, I'm just looking at it from the broad standpoint of, like, what the, what's the plan and how do we get to you being one of those teams mentioned? Like, when we tune into... NBA Today or First Take or any of these national shows talking NBA, and they're doing the segment on, all right, who can challenge the Bucs in the Eastern Conference? At what point are the Knicks ever going to be there? Because the fan base keeps being sold on patience, patience, patience. One playoff series win in, in two decades. Tired of being patient. And, you should, and maybe you made a mistake by not trading for Donovan Mitchell. 
Maybe that was the mistake. And it's not that, and also it's possible that the Knicks wouldn't be as good as that Cavs team because there's a lot of talent over there. But at least that's a piece. And as the caller uh, just just brought up, Brian, stars don't want to come here. Donovan Mitchell wanted to be here. And the, the quote in The Athletic uh, from the story Sam Amick put out today was, he said, I was told it was R.J. Barrett and hella draft picks. That's what I heard. And I thought that was happening. He wanted to be here. And unfortunately for him, like he didn't hold the cards. It had to come be a trade. He wanted to be here, and that was a guy that was going to elevate your team, and you didn't get him. So uh, it's – I understand Danny Ainge was asking for a ton, but if it's R.J. Barrett, Quentin Grimes, and some picks, that's a deal that he, in retrospect, probably should have made. 800-919-3776. We go to James in New Jersey. What's up, James? James, how you doing? Oh, hi. Thanks, thanks for taking my call. Um, one of the points that I wanted to try to hit on was was that um, it's not that we didn't construct a talented team. It's just that we put together our team the traditional way with the one through five. But how teams are constructing their 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 starting uh, five now is they're having two or something, whether it's two point guards or they're having two small forwards, or they're having three small forwards, or they're having two centers, you understand? And we we built ourselves, our one through five is just traditional. And a lot of times in that third quarter, we're being one of those, like one of our shooting guard may be, be outplayed by the point guard, you know, or or our, 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 our small forward might be outplayed by, you know, two small forwards, or our, our power forward might be outplayed by two centers, you know, and, and it and that's it, you know. That's the thing that the coaches have to work on. We have a question mark at the small forward position. Still, is Cam Reddish going to be our starter? Yeah. You know, well, if Cam you know, Reddish, he, if Cam Reddish, and, and, go ahead. Yeah, and and we, we don't. There's still a question mark at that two, that two and three spot, you know. And we we haven't locked that in yet. And I just think that the coaches have to adjust. Um, or try to make trades to try to compensate um, for being out coaching the third quarter with how teams have constructed their starting five. Well, here's you the know, deal, and, and I appreciate the call, James. Uh, if if we're if we're arriving at the answer being Cam Reddish as your starting small forward, then you're not a very good team. And I know he's shown some some signs that opening game of the season, uh, he played well. And there are moments where you look at Cam Reddish and you're, and you're like, wow, like he's got a ton of talent. It's just it, that cannot be your starting small forward. I think among the question marks has to be, and I get he's coming off a 30-point game, has to be R.J. Barrett and what his actual ceiling is. How, how good can he be? Because the number three overall pick projected to be, what, a perennial all-star. Like that needs to be the best-case scenario. And I've been saying this for years now. The best-case scenario and the one that, puts the Knicks in best position to get to contention has to be a guy you drafted number three overall behind Zion Williamson and John Morant, who are two stars in, the, in their own rights, has to be R.J. Barrett ascending toward perennial all-star caliber play. And unfortunately, we have not seen that. It's only been 12 games, but he's pretty much putting up the same numbers he put up last year. 
25 and three with a slightly higher true shooting percentage, which means that um, he's improved the free throw shooting. The, the three point shooting is still a struggle for him, but historically it's been that he's a better three point shooter post all star post all star break than he is pre all star break, as Ian Begley pointed out in his column today. But for R.J. Barrett, it's year four. We're still waiting. Like, we should not still be waiting for that next step, that leap. It should have already happened. Just look around the league. All the players that are are absolute stars. Were we still questioning that in year four? So, like, what's the ceiling? Because let's be honest, R.J. Barrett once deemed this untradeable asset who we could not include in any trade because you got to build around him. Um, Knicks fans, you have to be nervous about the trajectory just as it pertains to how high he can jump amongst his peers because I'm not questioning his actual talent. Like He's a really good player. Is he cracking the top 10 at any point? It's year four. It's not premature to have that conversation. Because there are zero signs that he's going to become one of the 10, 12 best players in the league. And very few that we're watching the development of a perennial all-star. It's a, it's a league that's loaded. I haven't seen it yet. And it's year four. So don't jump me about, you know, it's still early. No, it's not really that early anymore. Year four is not that early. And in order for them to to become one of the powerhouses... You're either going to trade him for a star or he needs to become one, and so far we haven't seen it. 800-919-3776. More of your phone calls on the Knicks. We'll touch on football and baseball as well. The Nets just won another game without Kyrie Irving. Some interesting numbers I just came across post that win without Kyrie Irving that we'll talk about once we get back as well. 800-919-3776. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. We return in a moment right here on 987 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show. On 98.7 ESPN. Keep them coming. Ty D. Butler is the Twitter and the Instagram. Brooklyn up by 11 on the Clippers. 341 left in the game. Uh, about to improve to 4-1 and one without Kyrie Irving, with the one loss being by two to Lucas Mavs in Dallas, a game that they actually could have sent to overtime with a chance to win. But Kevin Durant, after making the first of three free throws, missed the second, missed the third on purpose. Uh, Nets got the rebound, but unfortunately, Royce O'Neal throws the ball away. So the Nets, uh, despite that loss, though, continue to play well without Kyrie Irving. And it's going to create an interesting conversation if, like, all of a sudden the dynamic, the vibe changes once he comes back. But right now we're talking Knicks. Uh, about Donovan Mitchell, is there a little regret not trading for him? Donovan Mitchell right now, in the midst of the best season of his career, he's the best player on a Cavs team that's two games back of the number one seed. He's clearly thrust himself early into the MVP conversation. And look, Cleveland's got better pieces around him with Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, uh, Kevin Love off the bench, Jetty Osmond. Like that, that, that is a, a really good team, really good defensive pieces. And, and Donovan Mitchell, even on that end, has, has stepped up his game because I know the. You know, when we talked about him potentially coming to the Knicks, a lot of the naysayers were, you know, low percentage shooter, doesn't play any defense. Well, he's putting up career numbers this year with, with the Cavs, and they look pretty good. So I wonder if there's a little bit of regret uh, as far as not trading for him. 800 919 leading off for us this evening. 
is George and Elizabeth. What's up, George? Oh, child. Um, look, man, you know, I've been a Knicks fan since 1984. I went through the Patrick era. I went through the Allen Houston, Sprewell era. And, and, you know, the bottom line is, man, without a number one guy in the NBA, you, you can't do nothing. It's just nothing that could be done. You could, you could, you could put up a little fight if nobody sees you coming and make a little bit of noise. You know, for all the reasons you mentioned before, that was the reason we was a four seed. Nobody saw us coming. COVID, all of those reasons were the reasons. But without a not without a guy, you could say, "Listen, man, we gonna need thirty five from you tonight. We gonna need thirty from you tonight." You know, on a regular basis, if we can't get that. This, there's no winning for the Knicks, man. So a playing spot is a very generous position for us, if you ask me. Yeah, it is. It's a very generous position. It is, and I appreciate the call, George. It's a it's the point that I made last week when I was on the air. Like the problem for the Knicks simply is, in a in a conference that is littered with stars, they don't seem to have any of them. Like, the Bucks roll out Giannis, who might be the best player in basketball, and I say might be just because there might be some folks who want to argue. Giannis is the best player in the NBA. The Celtics counter with Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, who ever since they linked up with Ime Udoka, all of a sudden look at look like one of the best duos in basketball. Remember last year there were conversations about breaking them up, and they've turned it around, got to the finals, got with to within two wins of winning the whole thing. The, the, the Hawks, we saw on full display the star power they have with Trey Young, DeJounte Murray. I talked about Mitchell just now, and it's just a conference that it's star after star after star. If the Nets get their act together, it's Durant and maybe Irving. Uh, as Royce O'Neal looks like he hits the dagger, so the Nets are going to win this game against the Clippers and improve to 4-1 without Kyrie Irving. The, the Heat with Jimmy Butler, and, and then once... Harden returns to, to Philly from injury, you've got two stars there. And the Knicks are throwing out there Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and R.J. Barron. It's no disrespect to those guys. They're just not on the level of the stars that I just mentioned. And when you have a star deficit, it's hard to overcome that in this sport. You win with stars. The role players are fun, and it's going to— help you win games in the regular season. You're going to need those key contributors in the playoffs. And obviously coaching is you know, at, the, at, at number one on uh, what's important. But when it comes to actually going out there and competing and winning games on a night-in-and-night-out basis, you need your stars. And the Knicks have a uh, deficiency when it comes to that when measured against the other teams. Brian in Westchester wants to chop it up. What's up, Brian? How you doing, Brian? I was a season ticket holder for 24 years. I gave up my seats finally. You know, I just think I think the Knicks have problems on so many different levels. First of all, we don't have a pure, you know, 40% plus three-point shooter. Um, we don't have good chemistry, I don't believe. And I don't think we have an identity. And interestingly, you know, you mentioned all these other teams. Well, I, last I checked, the Celtics drafted Tatum. The Hawks drafted Trey Young. Um, you know, and all, and 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 the Sixers drafted Joel Embiid, and you know, look look what we have. And so, I don't think any of the stars want to come here. And so, if we're going to start building, first of all, we have to figure out who we are. That's number one. Number two, we have to be in line with what today's NBA is, which is you got to have outside shooting. Yep. And number three, we have to 
our draft, our drafting and our, our nurturing of players and, and stop taking gambling on all these foreign guys like Frank Nikita and all these other people that don't pan out to anything. And it's just, it's such a boring brand of basketball now. If I asked you and said, hey, can you tell me who the Knicks are? There's no answer. They are, they're nothing but a hodgepodge of guys together who once in a while have a good, a good game. They're going to wind up with 38 wins. And I'm a diehard Knicks fan. No one's a bigger Knicks fan than me. But it's just they're boring to watch. And, 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 you know, on any given night they can get blown out and they always find a way to, all, to lose or almost lose. So, you know, I think, I, think it's, I, think it's, I think it's really a disaster, quite frankly. Well, I appreciate the call, Brian. I, you made some, some salient points there. You go back just two years ago and the identity was – Defense, right? We're, we're living and dying by the unit coached by Tom Thibodeau, where he's an expert, in, and that's defense. The, the Knicks defensively were stout that season, and then Randall had a career year, and then you were able to get clutch play from you know Derek Rose and Alec Burks, and all the pieces around you seemed to fit because it was predicated on you being an excellent defensive team coming down and hitting timely shots, and we knew late in games the Knicks could do that. They could execute that. And this year, to your point, what's what's the identity? Now, again, like I don't mean to sound all doom and gloom because they're 6-6. Six and six. We played 12 games, so no reason to panic. I'm just, I'm just looking at it from the broad standpoint of, like, what the, what's the plan and how do we get to you being one of those teams mentioned? Like, when we tune into... NBA Today or First Take or any of these national shows talking NBA, and they're doing the segment on, all right, who can challenge the Bucs in the Eastern Conference? At what point are the Knicks ever going to be there? Because the fan base keeps being sold on patience, patience, patience. One playoff series win in, in two decades. Tired of being patient. And, you should, and, and maybe you made a mistake by not trading for Donovan Mitchell. Maybe that was the mistake. And it's not that, and also it's possible that the Knicks wouldn't be as good as that Cavs team because there's a lot of talent over there. But at least that's a piece. And as the caller uh, just just brought up, Brian, stars don't want to come here. Donovan Mitchell wanted to be here. And the, the quote in The Athletic uh, from the story Sam Amick put out today was, he said, I was told it was R.J. Barrett and hella draft picks. That's what I heard. And I thought that was happening. He wanted to be here. And unfortunately for him, like he didn't hold the cards. It had to come be a trade. He wanted to be here, and that was a guy that was going to elevate your team, and you didn't get him. So uh, it's – I understand Danny Ainge was asking for a ton, but if it's R.J. Barrett, Quentin Grimes, and some picks, that's a deal that he, in retrospect, probably should have made. 800-919-3776. We go to James in New Jersey. What's up, James? James, how you doing? Oh, hi. Thanks, thanks for taking my call. Um, one of the points that I wanted to try to hit on was was that um, it's not that we didn't construct a talented team. It's just that we put together our team the traditional way with the one through five. But how teams are constructing their 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 starting uh, five now is they're having two or something, whether it's two point guards or they're having two small forwards, or they're having three small forwards, or they're having two centers, you understand? And we we built ourselves, our one through five is just traditional. 
And a lot of times in that third quarter, we're being one of those, like one of our shooting guard may be, be outplayed by the point guard, you know, or, or our, 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 our small forward might be outplayed by, you know, two small forwards or our, our power forward might be outplayed by two centers, you know, and, and, and that's, it, you know, that's the thing that the coaches have to work on. We have a question mark at the small forward position. Still, is Cam Reddish going to be our starter? Yeah. You know, well, if Cam you know, Reddish, who, if Cam Reddish, and, who, and, and, go ahead. Yeah, and and we, we don't. There's still a question mark at that two, that two and three spot, you know. And we we haven't locked that in yet. And I just think that the coaches have to adjust. Um, or try to make trades to try to compensate um, for being out coaching the third quarter with how teams have constructed their starting five. Well, here's you the know, deal, and, and I appreciate the call, James. Uh, if if we're if we're arriving at the answer being Cam Reddish as your starting small forward, then you're not a very good team. And I know he's shown some some signs that opening game of the season, uh, he played well. And there are moments where you look at Cam Reddish and you're, and you're like, wow, like he's got a ton of talent. It's just it, that cannot be your starting small forward. I think among the question marks has to be, and I get he's coming off a 30-point game, has to be R.J. Barrett and what his actual ceiling is. How, how good can he be? Because the number three overall pick projected to be, what, a perennial all-star. Like that needs to be the best-case scenario. And I've been saying this for years now. The best-case scenario and the one that, puts the Knicks in best position to get to contention has to be a guy you drafted number three overall behind Zion Williamson and John Morant, who are two stars in in their own rights, has to be R.J. Barrett ascending toward perennial all-star caliber player. And unfortunately, we have not seen that. It's only been 12 games, but he's pretty much putting up the same numbers he put up last year. 25 and three with a slightly higher true shooting percentage, which means that um, he's improved the free throw shooting. The, the three point shooting is still a struggle for him, but historically it's been that he's a better three point shooter post all star post all star break than he is pre all star break, as Ian Begley pointed out in his column today. But for R.J. Barrett, it's year four. We're still waiting. Like we should not still be waiting for that next step, that leap. It should have already happened. Just look around the league. All the players that are absolute stars. Did, like, were we still questioning that in year four? So, like, what what's the ceiling? Because let's be honest. R.J. Barrett once deemed this untradable asset who we could not include in any trade because you got to build around him. Um, Knicks fans, you have to be nervous about the trajectory just as it pertains to how high he can jump amongst his peers because I'm not questioning his actual talent. Like, he's a really good player. Is he cracking the top 10 at any point? It's year four. It's not premature to have that conversation because there are zero signs that he's going to become one of the 10, 12 best players in the league, and very few that were watching the development of a perennial all-star. It's a it's a league that's loaded. I haven't seen it yet, and it's year four. So don't jump me about, you know, still early. No, it's not really that early anymore. Year four is not that early. And in order for them to, to become one of the powerhouses 
You're either going to trade him for a star or he needs to become one, and so far we haven't seen it. 800-919-3776. More of your phone calls on the Knicks. We'll touch on football and baseball as well. The Nets just won another game without Kyrie Irving. Some interesting numbers I just came across post that win without Kyrie Irving that we'll talk about once we get back as well. 800-919-3776. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. We return in a moment right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show. On 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. Back to the phone calls in a moment. <laughs> Listen, it's going to be so funny. The, the, the most nicest thing to happen is for Kyrie Irving to get suspended. And then for the five games where he's serving his suspension, the Nets go 4-1. and one become the best defensive team in basketball. They've got the best net rating. All of a sudden, Kevin Durant, he looks much more. The offense is flowing. Kevin Durant, by the way, how about these numbers? Kevin Durant in his career with the Nets, with Kyrie Irving, 36-30. and 30. That's six games above 500. Without Kyrie Irving, 37-17. and 17. 20 games above 500 without Kyrie, just six above with him. And the next, the Nets just look like they're playing a joyful brand of basketball. There's a lot of pop and sizzle with the ball movement. Defensively, they're getting after it. Jock Vaughn has done an excellent job coming in. And, I mean, I love that he, he understood he was not the first choice. They really wanted Ime Udoka. But apparently there was too much drama surrounding the organization with the whole Kyrie Irving fiasco, which doesn't make sense to me. If like so, th- it it doesn't come across as this as this was some uh, moral compass that they had. It wasn't really about not giving Ime Udoka the opportunity fresh off of a what was supposed to be a year suspension. It more so had to do with the pushback from in addition to the Udoka suspension and controversy. Uh, having the Kyrie Irving anti-Semitism, you know, tweet the situation unfold. So the combination of those two things was what made um, them not hire Ime Odoka. Whereas if that had never happened, he would be coaching this basketball team. So it's a little, uh, little interesting to kind of break it down that way. 800-919-3776. Back to the phone calls we go. Let's chop it up with... Sam in New Jersey. What's up, Sam? Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm chilling, man. What's up? Talk to me. Um, so I wanted to talk about how everyone keeps saying, you know, Knicks fans are the most narcissistic fans I've ever seen in my life, me included. Everybody was saying, should we include RJ? Should we not include RJ? There were two camps of people. Danny Ainge proved that he he knew better than all of us. Basically, he re, you know he rejected RJ. He rejected his last offer that he rejected was RJ Grimes quickly and three picks. Instead, he went for Laurie Markkinen, who's averaging twenty five points yeah, a game. Laurie Markkinen right, right now. right now looks amazing. The best he's looked yeah, in his career. In yep, and they're the best he team knew, in the West. He right knew now. better than all of us apparently. So that point is completely moot. Like, we had no chance at Mitchell. I don't think you had no chance at Mitchell. As per the reports during, let's not be that, let's not have revisionist history. All signs pointed to the Knicks landing Donovan Mitchell. 
like as the trades were happening, that those were all the reports we were reading. It was only a matter of time before Donovan Mitchell became a Nick, and then all of a sudden he went to Cleveland. So let's let's not get the facts wrong with how it happened, like during the negotiations, as that, per that what we were true, reading. That may be true, but right now it looks like Danny Ainge played 4D chess while the rest of us were playing 3D chess. I mean, look, it's early, right? It's only been 13 games, and I get Utah's been really good. And, you know, Conley and Jordan Clarkson, as you mentioned, Laurie Marketing looks fantastic. Uh, but let's not, like, go overkill with he's a he's this genius because of this trade. Maybe he w- it will prove to be so. But, I'm, you know, it's also on the table that the Jazz can come back down to reality because they got all these draft picks. They, they didn't even want to win this year. <laughs> they didn't even want to win this year. Traded Bogdanovich to, to the Pistons. They were bottoming out looking to tank. And all of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> they're at the top of the West. All right. Have a good night. Take care. Oh, that's it? All right. Take care, my friend. Oh, man. I thought we were going to keep going on there. Alexander in Westchester. What up? Hey, what's up, Ty? Uh, first of all, I want to say, yeah, I had to call in because uh, I've been calling into Dave's show with you for a while now. And uh, I've been pumping my chest for you to be on the air Thank solo. You, man. And I, I didn't know when this happened, but I'm so glad to be able to call in, man. Awesome. Appreciate Killing. you, man. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much, bro. So, so you know, uh, the reason I did want to call in those because the first question you asked a, a couple of, you know, before the commercial go was about, you know, what Nick do you really see being around here when they start making potentially, uh, you know, a real run at championships or conference finals or whatnot? And, you know, it seems like a lot of people are back and forth on RJ. And uh, one of your producers or your call screener, uh, you know, I was in a little bit of an argument with him about this, and I, I checked it on ESPN. RJ was number one in that class coming out on ESPN recruiting when he was yeah, coming in high out school. of high school. Yes, that's correct. And, I'm, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that he is better than Ja or Zion at all, but I'm saying he's still young. And he's also on a team that – offensively, you know, there's some struggles in moving the ball consistently. And Julius Randle, I think, is a big part of that. You know, he had a great year that first year. I think he's a great player, but I also think he's a little bit of a ball stopper. And I think that RJ is a committed, hardworking, skilled So let me just ask you a quick question. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. You say RJ is still young, right? Yeah. How much older do you think John Moran is? I think they're. I think they're uh, probably about a year apart. Yes, maybe, only maybe a year. O- only a year apart, which means last I'm not year. Saying that he's better than John. No, no, no. But I, my, my point is, last year when we were watching John Morant, if not for an injury, uh, play himself into an MVP conversation, like he was the same age that RJ is now. And look, we're both acknowledging that J- RJ Barrett is not as good as John Morant. But this idea that he's still young, it's too early. We see it early, man. Like, it, it doesn't take four years for us to get consistency from the stardom or consistency from the landscape of you being a perennial all-star, us seeing that unfold. So, yeah, no, he's still young. No, he's only I, he's only no, no, 22, but there there are questions about how good he can be. I agree. And, and I'm not saying, and, and again, I don't want to misconstrue my statement with saying that, you know, he's he's going to be our number one and, and take us to the promised land, right? But what I am saying is that, you know, he's not performing well enough to get probably a max, but he would be a good number two or a number three, you know, over a four-year stretch when that's probably when we bring in the type of team and keep, you know, 
uh, developing this young talent. You know, that is a guy. But I would what's the young like talent? Let me ask you a question. What's the young talent yeah. that you want to develop on this team? You know, first of all, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Robinson in that, in that same category in terms of, you know, three or four years now just because of the injury history and whatnot. But, you know, if we keep drafting young players that can be pieces and then get the guys to come in, and the young pieces that I like are, you know, the McBrides, the Quickleys, the Toppins. Like, these guys are young guys that are in a system, that are improving, that are learning system basketball and are still young. And if we keep building a core like that in a system and bring in other system players and then get the stars, and I don't know if we're going to hit it to the draft or free agency, and, you know, you hit on this before with Mitchell. That was something that me and my brother were pumping our chest about ever since, you know, he got drafted. You know, we always thought he was going to potentially come back here to New York, and, and it was pretty, you know, depending where he didn't come here, a la LeBron 2010, but that's another story, but... You know, it's just uh, I think that we're trying to build the right way, and I would like to not see us try and tip the teacup before, you know, we're ready and just keep going the right direction and building talent and building. But, sounds, you know, look, that, that's patience, I, and it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I know that. But. And, and I'm glad you wrapped it up with that, Alex. I appreciate the call. It's you, you kicking the teacup. Listen, your window is not as long as you think that it is. Uh, unless you're going to be the Warriors and you draft Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and you, you, you trade for Iguodala, and then assisted by Harrison Barnes having a bad contract year, so it necessitates you going out there and getting Kevin Durant for four years. Like Unless you're going to have that operation, this whole wait-for-it thing, man, you've been waiting for a while. You've been waiting for a while. You need to get the stars in here. And you haven't been able to do that just yet. You thought you got it with Julius Randle in year one, or what was that? No, that was year, That was his second year with the Knicks. It was his first year, he was pretty bad, and fans uh, wanted to trade him. And then the next year, he comes back, and he was pretty special, and fans were chanting MVP. And last year, he was a disaster. This year, he's playing much better, but we know he's not the player that he was when he finished eighth in the MVP. Let's go to Subi in Midtown before we hit a break. What's up, Subi? Hey, I think the Knicks, uh, you know, they need to make a trade uh, in near the trade deadline. We'll see how these guys run for half the season. I would propose R.J. Barrett <clears throat> either straight up for the Bulls, Zach Levine, or a mixture of players for Zach Levine and other players. Why Basically, would the Bulls do that? Well, their team is not – the Bulls aren't doing all that great. So either or, they need to change it up. Both teams need to change it up. And I think – the point i'm trying to say is the Knicks need speed this this new uh game is all about speed and scoring and then tom thibodeau is basically stalling on every play so let's just mix it up zach levine lucevich let's get them in there i think Toppin and barrett will be enough for both those players i think the bulls are eager to move on from zach levine that's all i gotta say appreciate the call subi you know, my favorite time of the year is that when we get closer to the trade deadline, like everyone becomes GM, like you put the GM hat on, and the NBA has like the trade machine where it maxes contract or it matches contracts, so you're able to like actually see them uh, become successful, or if they're not successful, see what you need to add in to make them successful. On what planet, if you call Chicago right now and you're like, you know what, I want R.J. Barrett. Uh, I want to trade you R.J. Barrett and, and Obi Toppin for Vucevic and 
Zach Levine straight up. On what planet are they saying yes? That's not a that's not a plan. <laughs> I wouldn't even entertain that trade. <laughs> that's right? not that's not a real thing. There's like, no, no if I'm a Bulls fan, there's nobody <laughs> on the Knicks right now. I'm like, you know what? That we could use that guy right now because it's not. I mean, if they need a guy down low, but outside of that, I don't. It, it makes no sense. The Bulls were pretty good last year until Lonzo Ball got hurt, and he's still you know coming back. Yeah. And so you, they haven't really gotten an opportunity with all of their guys healthy to see what they can be. Because if you remember last year, one of the first games that Harden, Kyrie, and KD played together with the Nets was a game on national TV against the Bulls, who were the one seed at that point. And the Nets went out there and smoked them. But to you know to give up that quickly, especially when you've had injuries, wouldn't make any sense. I don't even know why I'm entertaining this. That was so ridiculous. But... Uh, that's that, that's gonna be something we see going forward. Here's my trash for your stars. <laughs> we always get that eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. More your phone calls coming up. We'll hit the NFL at the top of the hour. Week ten, week ten, week ten in the NFL. I'm actually sad that the Jets aren't playing tomorrow. Been so red hot. Knocked off the Bills last week. We've got a green and white wave happening in New York City right here on ninety eight seventy ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. 4-1 and one without Kyrie Irving, and we're starting to wonder, should they actually just trade him for, for pieces? Because if the Lakers could get Miles Turner and Buddy Heald for Russell Westbrook, what can the Nets get for Kyrie Irving? Can they get that same package? Kyrie Irving... You know, he, he's a headache, but he's also an expiring contract. So if you're a team looking to offload some some big contracts and you can bring Kyrie Irving there, I, I wonder if the Nets made him available via trade. And, and I don't know if they have or haven't yet, but if they've done so, what could that net Brooklyn? Because, look, he's talented. I, I also think he's a little overrated, like this whole superstar notion. I... I never found Kyrie Irving to be a superstar. I think the NBA has like five of those. It's Giannis, it's Jokic, it's Steph, it's Durant, it's Luka. Like those are superstars. John Moran, you put them on any team in the league, they're a playoff team. Cannot say that about Kyrie Irving. I think we loosely use that term superstar too much, and it's got to stop. Kyrie Irving, not a superstar. Really good player, excellent scorer, tremendous ball handler, doesn't really elevate his team. He's a one-on-one guy, and the Nets have not benefited tremendously from his performance. A, he hasn't been available most of the time. And then B, when he's there, like we saw uh, in game one against the Celtics in the playoffs last year when he went off, but then in the biggest play of the game, he's dribble, 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 and then two seconds left, he passes it to Kevin Durant. He's got no shot to really really get it off clean because Kyrie can't make uh, you know, other guys better. So I just... I just wonder if they continue to play this well without him, uh, what are they going to do? They've got the game against the Lakers tomorrow, who are 2-10, and 10, so you would imagine the Nets can get that win as well. And, you know, Kyrie would be eligible to come back, but I'm not sure they're going to bring him back. We, it doesn't look like he's going to play tomorrow, but it's just, what, what do you do with this guy? It, it's a conundrum. Coming up on November 18th, that's next Friday, the Michael K Show, Celebrating 20 years on ESPN New York. Shout out to those guys with a live broadcast and after party at the Palladium 
in Times Square. Leading up to the event, listen to DPHR on Rothenberg in the morning. That's 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. And the Michael K. Show in the afternoon from 3 to 7 for your chance to win $1,000 per show. The K Show 20th Anniversary Party brought to you by Calandra's Bakery, the MoheganSunCasino.com app, the U.S. Army New York City Recruiting Battalion, Fordham University Athletics, Coors Coors Light, Keeping New York Chill, and Tullamore Dew when it's time to celebrate. It is Tully time. For details on how you can win or to purchase the tickets to the event, go to TheKShow20.com. By the way, speaking of The K Show, make sure you guys tune in uh, beginning at 7.30 coverage of Rangers Predators right here on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Gross has got the pregame. Don LaGreca's on the call uh, with the Rangers tonight beginning at 7.30. Back to the phone lines we go. Let's talk to Paul. Uh, Where is this? East what? Where is Paul? East? Call screener just says East. Paul, where are you calling from? East. East Rockaway. Uh, What's up, Paul? Talk to me. How you doing, man? It's first time calling, and I, I just wanted to, to touch about uh, R.J. Barrett again. You were saying that it's it's not so obvious that he's got that all-star talent. He's into year four. I just think he's one of those players. The one the one player he gets most compared to is probably Butler, and I, I think with with R.J. it's going to be two two issues with him. If he can consistently keep his field goal percentage around 45% or higher, and he continues to improve his defense, I think that's where you're going to see him become a perennial all-star. It, right now, it's a little a little inconsistent. I, I think he suffered by not having a real legitimate point guard. He has that right now, though. We have that now. And his, and his field goal percentage is not at 45. It's actually at 43. So, Correct. Yeah, he's yeah. gotten off to a slow start again. He seems to, you know, just get off to these slow starts almost every single year. It happened last year from December 31st on. He seemed to really turn on the Jets, and we saw some potential what RJ really can become. And I again, his his free throw percentage was off. He seems to really fix that this year. And. I could be wrong, but when I hear the interviews with him and I just see the look in his face when he's playing, he seems like a very determined player, very no, he determined is. young man. He, he is. Yeah. He is, and I appreciate the Paul, uh, the call, Paul. Uh, determination, great. He seems like like he is liked amongst his teammates. He's been a lot more aggressive starting in the second half of last season into the first 12 games of this year. He's been very diligent about attacking the basket. And you listen to Breen on the on the broadcast last night, and he praised him. Being aggressive, going to the basket, and he got fouled and hit those two big free throws in that win against the Pistons. Uh, so, again, I'm not denying that there is an existence of talent. I'm not denying that he can become a really good player. It's just that we have zero signs that he can be one of the top 10 and 12 best players in the league, which the Knicks would really need him to become if they are ascending toward contention. Unless you're going to trade for a star, we haven't seen that materialize yet, so you're really building around R.J. Barrett. Zero signs of that, and then few signs that he's a perennial all-star. And, you know, a couple years ago, it's only year two. You know, let him grow. Last year, it's only year three. Year four, we should start to see that more consistently. You look around the league at all the young players. It's a league right for talent. We saw it early, and so far we haven't seen it enough 
consistently from R.J. Barrett, who did score 30 points last night. But again, just got to see it more consistent. Got to see him be able to take over games. And I'm waiting for that to happen. And so far, we have fallen short. Final hour coming up, final half hour, I should say, before we hand it over to Dan Grasso for the Rangers pregame. Uh, Ty Butler coming with you your way until 7.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Bent pretty much the entire first hour talking about the Knicks. They won last night against the Pistons. They are 6-6 six and six on the season for just a broad outlook on what the future looks like. How soon before we're able to say, yeah, you know, a team that could challenge the Bucks, not only the Hawks, not only the Celtics, but the Knicks. Like, how? when can we start to have that conversation? I'm just wondering what the future looks like for this organization. Meanwhile, uh, the Nets continue to shine without Kyrie Irving. And by the way, low-key, this is the third straight season where, at least through the first part of it, Kevin Durant has looked like an MVP. Now, the first two were cut short because of injuries, but this year, more of the same. All he's doing is averaging 30 points, 6.5 rebounds, and 5 assists. And the Nets seem to be rolling without Kyrie Irving. So we wonder what that means for the future of one Kyrie Irving if he comes back and they start to struggle a little bit or the team vibe starts to take a hit uh, because the Nets are succumbing to his uh, you know, behavior issues or, or just bad vibes. Uh, but we spent the first hour talking about Basketball, I do want to get into football. And by the way, football fans, it's not too late to sign up for the Cover 5, a free-to-play pick'em game for season-long fun and compete against your friends, your rivals, and your favorite 98.7 ESPN host. Pick five games each week, and the best score against the spread wins $100. Join the 98.7 ESPN League with code New York 22 That's NY22 on the Cover 5 app and Cover5.com. Visit New ESPN New York. Dot com for full contest rules. We will get back to the phone calls in a moment. 800-919-3776. And on Twitter, Ty D. Butler and Instagram as well. I, could you imagine being a Giants fan and watching Odell Beckham Jr. help lead the Cowboys to the Super Bowl? Like how that would make you feel? I just saw Ray Santiago coming to the studio. I wonder if Ray's like a, a proponent of of his Cowboys signing Odell. Like, imagine being the Giant, being a fan of the Giants, and Odell's catching passes in the NFC Championship game, leading them to the Super Bowl with the Cowboys. Like, how, how would that make you feel as a Giants fan? Uh, but you see Micah Parsons tweeting about it. You see Jerry Jones going on, you know, the fan in Dallas, the, the radio show that he does, talking about Odell and what he would add to that offense because clearly the Cowboys have a legitimate defense and rushing attack with Pollard and, and Zeke uh, to, to, to win the requisite weapons needed to win the Super Bowl. They need some help on the outside. Nah, uh, I would just want it because it would make Dave Rothenberg miserable. <laughs> it would make Dave Rothenberg Does he want a reunion with Odell or, or no? With the Giants. He's trying to downplay how, how good he thinks the Giants can be. I know in his heart of hearts he thinks that the Giants, could, be, could if they got somebody of Odell's caliber, it could push him over the top. Yeah, there's no there's no big dog in the NFC. I, I don't believe in Philly. No. I mean, 
there's no team because you with the with Rodgers and and Brady both having their team struggle this significantly and I know the the Bucks won uh, against the Rams last week on that last second touchdown drive but they stink they'll probably lose tomorrow morning uh in Germany uh, against the Seahawks but with no Brady or Rodgers to overcome you know the Niners are a team that of course you fear but with Jimmy G as the quarterback what's their ceiling the Rams have been a mess uh the Eagles are undefeated but it, is anyone really scared of Jalen Hurts? I don't know. Uh, Kirk Cousins, playing like an MVP, but in primetime games and big games, you don't trust him. The NFC is wide open. So that is why a team like the Cowboys, who have been tremendous this year, even through injuries uh, to, to their team, including Dak going out uh, and, and you know having to miss some games, they've been pretty good this year. So, of course, you would want Odell. And, of course, you were, if you're a Giants fan, you should want Odell. I, I, and I get he comes with... Injuries in four of the last five seasons, but when he's on the field, he's still one of the best playmakers. He's a game-changing talent. And Saquon Barkley, I came across this stat today, which is unbelievable. Saquon Barkley is accounting for 35% of the Giants' yards from scrimmage, which is not sustainable. That's just not sustainable, especially you know him coming off a boatload of, a boatload of injuries. And I heard Greeny making the point that of all non-quarterbacks, he's the MVP. I guess Tyreek Hill, who leads all the football in, in receiving yards, would be in that conversation. But Saquon definitely has been the driving force of the 6-2 and two Giants team that has the, what, ninth best defense, but the 23rd best uh, ranked offense. So adding Odell gives you another option, and that could increase your ceiling. That doesn't mean it's going to lead to a championship. No. But if you can just pay him money to come play for the rest of the year— as he's looking for a long-term contract, a long-term contract, if he's interested, and of course you want him. I think he answered the questions about his maturity last year when he was able to go to LA, and you know he know he knew he was not going to be the number one or number two option, but he still was able to go there and behave the right way. Was a major contributor in the Super Bowl. Was on his way to possibly winning the MVP if he didn't tear his ACL, which he learned that he might have actually torn weeks before the Super Bowl, which is crazy. But, um, yeah, man, Odell, what team wouldn't love to have him? Uh, it looks like the Packers will be in the mix, though they lose tomorrow to, to Dallas. Their season's probably over anyway. And they got a quick turnaround to play Thursday against the Titans. Um, but with the Cowboys, the Giants in the mix, the Packers, this Odell story becomes so much more interesting because the NFC's wide open. There's no clear-cut favorite. The Eagles have to be recognized and respected as the best team in the conference just because of the resume uh, they put together uh, in the first half of the season. But there are some players out there like the Cowboys, you know, the Vikings, uh, whoever's going to win the NFC South. But it's just no clear cut. And the Niners got to throw them in there. There's just no clear cut, you know, team that you feel like you can't overcome. So if you're the Giants, you're 6-2, and two, strike while the iron's hot. I know it's only year one of the rebuild, but who knows what you can do? Who knows? I would definitely kick the tires on Odell Beckham Jr. And it would be cool to see him come back where it all started and, and, and right the wrongs of, of how it ended, the kicking net and all the distractions. Because I think I do think he's a different kind of guy now, especially that he's won a championship. He wants to go do it again. And if the Giants or the Cowboys or the Packers or whoever else, I saw Von Miller was recruiting him to Buffalo, whoever's going to give him the best chance to win a championship, 
um, that's probably where he's going to go. And, and maybe it'll be, it'll be the Giants, even though they might not give him the best chance. But if he does feel like this is where he wants to come back, I'd be rooting for it. And I'm not even a Giants man. 800-919-3776. We go to Buddha in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha? TV, what's good? Yo, talk to me, baby. Hey, listen, you know, before I get to your Brooklyn Nets, uh, the guys were talking my, about Hey, you got to stop doing that. My <laughs> Brooklyn Nets. Now, my my basketball you know, team is actually worse than that. No, it's... it's <laughs> listen, it's it, they, they play here locally. I know they got, like, five fans, so I'll be one who roots for them to do well just because it's better for us if they do well. But my basketball team is actually worse than the Brooklyn Nets. So maybe I should start claiming yeah. the Nets and be a fraud. I mean, you're more of a KD fan than you are a Nets fan. That is correct. If I'm a right. That's correct. But go ahead. Let me hear. Okay. Now, listen, for, uh, before I get to them, because that, that's the real part of my call, but I'll just say this much with R.J. Barrett. And, um, you know, I think that the Utah Jazz did use the Knicks. You know, I don't know how sincere they were about trade or whatever. But, you know, with players like R.J. Barrett, you know, I, I find it similar. Like, Knicks fans are about R.J. Barrett. Sort of like the Jets fans are about Zach Wilson. It's like you 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 want them to be something, you hope they'll be something, but then your eyes tell you that they're something. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I, I like RJ Barrett. He's a hardworking kid. Yeah. But the only difference between him and Jimmy Butler is athleticism. And see, at the position he's playing, there's a certain level of athlete that you have to be in the NBA. When you can't attack the rim, you know with determination. That's why a lot of his finger rolls and stuff come off because he doesn't have he doesn't have that lift off and he doesn't have that burst, that first step. So Which is why it's important which is why kid. it becomes important for him to drastically improve that jump shot, which he did last year, but so far this year it's kind of reverted back to these old ways. Um, but again, he's he's proven to be a better for for whatever reason, better second half like post All Star break shooter than he is in the first part of the season. But he, it, it is incumbent upon him to improve that jump shot if he's not going to be able to you know be that that strong guy who finishes at the rim like a Jimmy Butler. And I also don't love the comparison. Jimmy Butler was the best player on the team that went to the finals. Was the best player on a perennial contender in Chicago that was just losing to LeBron every year. Uh, but that, I mean, that's yeah. a high. That is a high standard to get to if we're comparing RJ. Yeah, and Jimmy. I, don't, I agree with you. I don't think he'll ever get to that standard, or even close to it. This is a different type of player, all the way around. But look, now when you were talking about the Kyrie stuff, and listen, I love KD too, but we can't. You can't absolve KD, you know, for some of this stuff. I mean, he did get was going along with Atkinson getting fired. You know, he's trying to be a wise guy, talking about you know the Knicks on the thing. Well, now you're over there in Brooklyn, and you guys are a thing, but you're that thing from Weird Science, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, you know, listen, the, the thing with Kyrie, now you were talking about listen, if they could trade him like that buddy. He, first of all, you said this last week, and you were 100% right. You were like, when people thought that he was going to apologize and do things the way they wanted, they were crazy. Guess what? If you try to trade him to Indiana, first thing he's going to do is announce his retirement. Well, you know what I'm saying? You know how he is. Well, so that, I mean, that's, he's, that's a lot of... Well, if you retire, you don't get the rest of your contract. Yeah, but that's he's the that problem. kind of dude, though. But he's that kind of dude. I would I assume, mean, though, if they point, did... Well, that-
But I would, but I would assume if they traded to him to a team where he didn't want to be, and the team just had no use for him, they're just looking for the expiration of the contract. You can agree to a buyout. I mean, it's a big number with what he's making, but I, I, I would surmise that that's much more likely than him just announcing his retirement. I think he's better off, and you might not like this, but I mean, I don't know how the NBA looks at things. You know how they try to, you know map out the landscape of their teams or whatever. But your team is absolutely irrelevant. I love LeBron. He's putting up numbers, but, you know, they're hollow. The team's not winning. Anthony Davis is never going to be what he was in the bubble. I mean, people are still looking for that. That's not going to happen. The best bet that the Nets could do is send him over there to L.A. Oh, and get some future picks because that Buddy Heal thing or whatever – I think that they already have Buddy Heald on their team mm. in terms of like uh, Royce O'Neal. You know, uh, uh, no, not Royce O'Neal. What's his name? Um, Seth Curry. Oh, Seth. You know, I mean, Buddy Heald is a better. I guess is a better player. Has a little bit more height. Yeah. But I mean, look, the, the NBA needs the Lakers, and I'm sure LeBron. If you notice that he spoke out last week, uh, uh, you know, against what Kyrie said, yep. but then immediately spoke out in support of him a couple like days that, ago. You know, yep. Pile on in terms of the team. He wants him Listen, and I appreciate the call, Buddha. The Lakers might be like beaten beyond recognition. We are at the point of no return. You're two and ten. I saw a stat that teams that start what two and nine is like a less than ten percent chance that you make the playoffs. Only four of them have gone on to to finish five hundred, and only one have gone on to win a playoff series. The Lakers are drawing dead. LeBron's now hurt. Anthony Davis, as you mentioned. Looks like a completely different player than he did when he was in the bubble, knocking Jokic out of the playoffs with game winners, and then you know like how he looked against the Heat in the finals does not look the same at all. And he's putting up like the stats tell you he's playing well this year. I'm watching those games. Not much of an impact. Not the same player. Anthony in the mail truck. Uh, before we hit a break, what's up, Anthony? Anthony in the mail truck. What's up, bro? Anthony, how you doing, bro? What's up, brother? How are you? I'm doing well, man. What's up? Talk to me. Nothing much, man. I'll, I'll try to make it quick because I know you're up against it. Um, but, I mean, as a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan, man, I, I agree with you. You got to give the Eagles credit. You know, they're 8-0. You know, they they still got to win the games. I know they haven't played anyone, but that's not an argument until they lose. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and it's, it kind of, you know, it kind of reminds me of, of the Steelers. Of uh, of last year when when they start or was it last year I believe when they started eleven and zero or twelve and zero, no that was not they, la- no that wasn't play. last year that was a couple years ago when yeah Big Ben's last year I believe, um. So anyway, so my my point is you know as a Cowboys fan, Jerry Jones just got to go for it man go get OBJ you know go go you know improve the team on the offensive side the defense is you know stacked. You know, Michael Parsons is playing like an MVP. You know, I, I just I, I can't I can't see, you know, the Cowboys faltering to, to this Eagles team, you know, and, and we came back against them when we had Cooper Rush. Yeah. You know, if we had Dak the whole game and you know, I understand. I'm not making excuses. You know, it it, it happened, we lost, you know, but it, it may be a, a great Christmas over here in New Jersey, brother. Take care, man. You have a good night. You too, man. And that was actually 2020 when the Steelers, I believe, started 11-0 that year. 
but as far as the Cowboys, look, I don't think this is pretty really on Jerry Jones. He's made it clear he wants OBJ. It's just a matter of that feeling and that interest being mutual. O- Odell can choose where he wants to go as a free agent. So we'll see what happens with that. But we'll wrap up the show coming up next. Get some more of your phone calls. We'll do rapid fire here as we prepare to send it off to our guy Dan Grossa doing Rangers pregame coming up at 730 right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.